Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the One Bitcoin Show. Today is March the 7th, 2019. Strong hand offended by selling. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. Unconfiscatable. I'm not going anywhere. Personal responsibility is a new counterculture. All right, people. Remember, Bitcoin, this game is not rigged. Tomorrow is this week in Bitcoin. It's coming up real soon. 8.45 in the morning in New York. 1.45 in the afternoon in London. We've got some great guests. Udi will be joining us from Israel. Boris from the Netherlands. And Murad is back. Oh, yeah, baby. Tomorrow morning, 8.45 a.m. in New York, 1.45 p.m. in London, 3.45 here in Tel Aviv, Israel. My last this week in Bitcoin from Israel uh, for a little while. I don't know when I'm going to come back again, but I'll be back. I'll be back. All right. So let's uh, let's move into the news. There's a lot of crazy news out there today that you're not going to hear anywhere else. First off, the Fidelity Digital Assets tweeted the following out. Uh, we are live with a select group of eligible clients and will continue rolling out slowly. Our solutions are focused on the needs of our of hedge funds, family offices, pensions, endowments, other institutional investors. All right, their product is out there, small scale right now. A select group. Check it out below. There's also a Coindesk article, I didn't link to that. Um, where Fidelity said they're not ready for Ethereum yet. They're just uh, focusing on Bitcoin right now. Uh, but uh, good, good. They're making progress. You know, we're, we're always wondering about these institutional investors uh, and uh, custodial accounts. When, when's it all going to get big and live? Well, there are first steps right there. Okay. So Breaker Mag has an article out here. 7,500 wallets hold 80% of the total Ethereum. A new report on Ethereum shows what triggers Ether's price drops and calls into question how sustainable decentralized decentralization of the Ethereum blockchain really is. If you have never, okay, so yeah, check that out. Um, I, I mean, if you care about Ethereum, if you have over 10 Ethereum, you're pretty elite though in terms of an Ethereum holder whatever that means. <laughs> but uh, no, there's not that, uh, if you got, if your address is more than 10 Ethereum, there are not that many of them. Um, but still, a, <laughs> the top addresses have a lot of Ethereum in them. So check that out. All right. So here is something you're not going to hear about in crypto land very much, but um, I, I can connect it to cryptocurrency. Philadelphia City Council recently passed a ban on cashless businesses saying they discriminate against city residents who don't have bank accounts. But Philadelphia didn't have many cashless businesses in the first place. And advocates for the poor weren't lobbying for the bill. So why did Councilman Bill Greenlee make the bill a priority? Well, he was virtue signaling, of course. But And is Philadelphia part of a nationwide push against the cashless trend? Oh, my. So... This thing stuck out. To, so I, that's actually a quote from uh, the uh, WHYY, which I believe is a uh, 
it's a public radio station, it's NPR station. And they, you can listen to the show below. Everything I talk about is linked to below, people. Remember that. Follow me at TechBalt on Twitter, T-C-H-B-A-L-T, where I tweet, tweeted this out and I copy the people who made this story so they can hear what I think about their story. Uh, so <laughs> they, they go into, they, inter, they introduce you to a guy that is unbanked in Philadelphia. And he doesn't give a darn, <laughs> really, that there were stores that, in theory, uh, wouldn't serve people like him that just have cash. And, you know, there's just uh, clearly, they said Philadelphia is the largest poor city in the United States. I don't even know exactly what that means. Do they mean like the top, what do they define as a large city? I mean, Baltimore's poor. It's a pretty big city. Again, Philadelphia is like the, uh, by population, is about the fifth or sixth most populated city in the U.S. It's either Phoenix or Philadelphia. They flip they flip around a lot. Um, but 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 here here's the point. Is there a nationwide push against the cashless trend? Well, I, I don't know about that, dude. Um, I would I would love there for everybody to want to accept cash. I would love for Americans to get more into cash and to get off the credit card thing. Okay, um, you know, for privacy reasons. So they you know so they wouldn't be they wouldn't have to pay all the credit card fees and, and, and the lateness, and they wouldn't be borrowing all the time. Okay, uh, but as we have discussed on the show before, uh, worldwide, money is becoming much more digital. Uh, governments want to track it. Governments want to be able to tax it, uh, and, and and that's the reason. So it's very interesting to see a local a local dude who doesn't care about that aspect of it. That's just you know saying, well, I want to get poor people to vote for my friends in city council because he's not running again. He wants, this went, this got passed through city council. They didn't even know why they were passing it. They just knew that, well, it's good for poor people. It's good for poor people that they'll be able to use cash anywhere. Now, now I do have an issue. Like you can't, I don't believe the government should force a store to say you have to accept dollar bill. You have to accept bills. Uh, they accept us currency through credit cards, through whatever. Um, that's fine. And so, you know, there's what they're basically doing is, in the long run, they're hurting themselves here, because there are always going to be businesses that that aren't going to want to participate uh, in the the traditional that they're going to that that want cash, okay? And what they're doing now is Amazon has thought of uh, stores that are going to be totally cashless, and so they they just won't come to Philadelphia. Some high end people just won't come to Philadelphia. They're discriminating against high end re retailers. High end, uh, you know, they're they're saying, well, if you're rich in Philadelphia, we won't. You might not have a business that caters to you because they they won't abide by, by our rules. But you know, nobody cares about discriminating against the rich. And of course, they, they there's more poor voters than rich voters. But again, so why why am I even why why is this being brought up here? Besides, you know, cashless. They didn't. They said, "Well, what's the what's the solution to people being unbanked?" Okay, what is the solution here? Because there were some activists in in the story that said, "You know what? You're throwing us a bone here. That's great, we, but the problem is people are unbanked. It's not that uh, it, it's not on the store side of things. Who accepts what? It's that people." Uh, or sticking, I mean, the guy they interviewed, I think he, he sticks his cash in his mattress or whatever, and it's a little risky because he might get robbed, and uh, he only gets paid cash because he works in construction, and he says he's got to get, he budgets every day for his cigarettes and his food. Yeah, very, very, 
great priorities there. Food's a great priority. The cigarettes, again, and this is part of, part of the reason uh, he's in this situation and we'll, is that you know he, he prioritizes cigarettes. But 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 again, we, no matter. Let's not go into why someone's cashless. I mean, why someone is unbanked and why others are not. Uh, but but how do we? How do we solve this problem? Well, there was no mention of cryptocurrency at all. There was no mention of of teaching these unbanked people you can be your own bank. You don't have to rely on Bank of America or Wells Fargo or Citigroup. You can get into this Bitcoin thing, learn how to do it, uh, and you know that dude. He's well. He's willing to stash cash underneath his. Uh, underneath his mattress, I'm sure he'd be able to go to the, somewhere in Philadelphia, hand some guy some cash and turn it into Bitcoin. Okay. And, and he would, he would then have Bitcoin and it would be much safer than sticking cash under his. And then in the future, when everything goes cash, you know, supposedly cashless, or you'll use your Bitcoin at, at a store. Okay. You'll be able to use your Bitcoin at a store. If they don't want dollar bills, you use your Bitcoin at the store, your Bitcoin card or whatever the future may bring uh, with, with Bitcoin. So that was not that was not brought up on the story in the story at all, uh, cryptocurrency. But I, I'm tying it in there because um, they, they they want to know what's a, what's another way to deal with this problem of the unbanked. And you know, eventually there'll be a there'll be a private uh, private universal basic income. I predict there'll be there'll probably be public universal basic income too, but private universal basic income. I'm going to talk about this on my Tuesday show. Uh, Tuesday, I'll be flying from Tel Aviv to Los Angeles, but I've already recorded a show that's going to talk about creating a, well, a, a crypto dividend of, of Bitcoin that could be marketed as a, 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 a universal basic income and could be given. How about in Philadelphia, if all of a sudden somebody gives away a crypto dividend to all the poor people in Philadelphia and say, this is your, your UBI, use this. This is your bank. Learn how to be your own bank. Okay. This is the direction we should be going in instead of uh, punishing businesses and making them, you know, you know, businesses that that have no, that don't really need to use cash, you know, super high end business. Instead of punishing them, um, why not teach the? Why not inform and empower everyone in Philadelphia and teach them about you know the poor, the rich, the middle class, anyone who opts in to get into Bitcoin, and then they will not. This will not be an issue. Um, well. There'll be, you know, you'll have to learn. It, it does take, you can't just sit there and, and have Bitcoin work for you. You got, you got to learn how to use it. But I, I, I think that's, um, I think it's a better option than the force of the government forcing businesses to do a certain thing. Why not uh, suggest that people uh, get into this Bitcoin thing instead of messing around with cash and, and striving to, be a customer of Bank of America, like that is the ultimate thing. No, that's not the that's not the ultimate thing. That's not the ultimate thing. You know, you don't have to. You shouldn't be buying cigarettes, dude. But you know, whatever. Personal responsibility is a new counterculture. Pound that like button. All right, all right. So here in motion, we got the Bitcoin rabbi is in motion. Mega thread. I'll go through some of my slides and visuals, giving a summary of Bitcoin and Judaism presentation from yesterday. I won't cover every detail here. For that, you'll need to check out the video or even better, see it live next time. Well, I linked to his mega thread and I linked to his video so you can see him talking about Judaism and Bitcoin. The Bitcoin rabbi. All right. Thank you, Bitcoin rabbi, for, for telling me about that. And everyone check that. He's in motion, dude. He's in motion. Spreading the word. Spreading the word of Bitcoin. 
and uh, talking and, and, you know, doing his own little gimmick with it, tying in Judaism and Bitcoin. That's great. That reaches out to, to people. Um, and again, you know, we're, we're, Andreas Antonopoulos talks about the unbanked a lot. We, we just heard a story about the unbanked in Philadelphia. Let's, let's not just, you know, you could talk the talk about the unbanked, but let's, you know, suggest to the unbanked, get banked with Bitcoin, get banked with Bitcoin. And, and again, you can, you can make a prop. I, I mean, I'm not saying to just be, just to make this like a total charity. You can, they can profit and you can profit. Trust me. If, the, if those people in Philadelphia who are unbanked right now, if they got their hands on cryptocurrency, they would be in better shape within a year if they held onto their cryptocurrency and you, you would be in better shape too. Uh, uh, if you figured out some way to, to monetize the entire thing, there's, there's opportunity there. There there's definitely opportunity in cities like Philadelphia where people are unbanked to ha to help them out and for you to be the marketer of it and for you to do well too. And again, I will talk about this on Tuesday with the, the, the private universal basic income, private universal basic income, a private entity creating its, you know, this is something this is what the, the experimentation of the crypto world is so awesome who knows what's coming next but uh if you use from an npr listening do some cryptocurrency stories and ask some of the uh unbanked in philadelphia if they would they, they're more interested in that than than what some uh sociopath uh, bureaucrat is doing in city hall just so his friends can win elections or something like that okay where we got here? No, no, that's that's for next time. Next, all right. Here, oh, talking about government interference. You know, Philadelphia has only taken it to one level of government interference. Now let's talk about South Africa. All right. So, Rand takes a hit as Ramfosi, that's the leader of South Africa, with the prime minister, the president, whatever his title is, promises to nationalize to nationalize the Reserve Bank. The people, okay. So the article, which is linked to below, pound that like button, by the way, people. Um, it's linked to below. Right now, the central bank of uh, South Africa has some private interests that control aspects of it, okay? And the president, he doesn't like that anymore. He, he wants the people to take control of the central bank. Well, what he means by the people is the government. And what the government is in South Africa is, well, it's pretty corrupt. So he wanted, so the markets reacted. And of course, um, the RAND, which is the uh, which is the currency of South Africa, went down in terms of in terms of dollars and in terms of Bitcoin, of course. Um, and so the market understands that the, the remaining private aspects that have say in the uh, you know it, you know, we, we can argue about central banks. Should they be private, public, whatever? But the way they have it working now with the private, uh, or should there be central banks at all? Who cares? I'm in Bitcoin. I don't really, you know, whatever. Uh, and I'm going to tie it all in in a second. But uh, the market reacted. They, they, they know that if the private aspects uh, leave the, the central bank and the lovely government of South Africa takes it over, it, it's going to go to shambles, just like the power company. And I've been to South Africa before, and it's a disgrace that the power, they have blackouts there. I mean, they, 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 they hire people that don't know how to work the, the power company. It's, it's crazy. Um, but, but I mean, in, in, you know, we, we've talked about other aspects, you know, there's many quotas there, there's many ridiculous things that go into South Africa that make it less efficient. And of course, if the government took complete control of the money, it would become uh, disastrous. Thus, 
Thus, why, why am I even talking about this? Um, the market has already, you know, they're scared. If you're in South Africa, you you should, this is a serious threat. I, I do, I, I would assume eventually the people will take over the central bank and uh, the RAND will, your savings better not be in RAND at that point. Now, there's a lot of people already understand that in South Africa. I met them personally who know Bitcoin is their insurance policy against things like that happening. Um, so be prepared, people of South Africa. This is this is why they created Bitcoin, <laughs> so that when you're uh, well, this is a reason for Bitcoin. So when your currency goes down the tubes, because uh, it, it it's now who knows what the the new central bank will do. Uh, you'll have Bitcoin. You won't have to even worry about it. So that there's a warning right there. He's not he's not hiding this. The president of South Africa is don't say you weren't warned. He's saying it's time to give it back to the people. And what has happened when, when the power company was given to the people? I mean, all right, continue. Forbes. What's this article here? Forbes says, uh, oh, yeah, this is a big one. This is an interesting one. And we're going to need Canadians uh, to give some reports on this. This is from Kyle Torpley. He's very reliable. Uh, pretty reliable. I mean, he's a good reporter. Uh crypto reporter. Bitcoin inv investors targeted with audit audits. By Canadians, by Canada's federal tax agency. I linked to the article. I linked to the tweet. I better have at least. Um, Bitcoin users in Canada are being targeted with audits by the Canada Revenue Agency, the federal tax agency. Attached are some images of the questionnaires being sent out to individuals in relation to the audits. Uh, full story is below. Uh, it asks specifically about shapeshift. In one of the questions, as part of the audit process, those who have been targeted by the CRA have been sent questionnaires in which they're asked to describe in great detail their involvement in the cryptocurrency space. The part of the questionnaire related to cryptocurrencies is 13 pages long and includes 54 questions, many of which include sub-questions. All right. So they... Matt O'Dell says it's going to be hard for them to, to track all of this information down, um, but they'll, they'll probably make an example of someone. I would assume they'll, they'll probably make an example of some messy young trader guy who didn't, who just kept going back and forth and isn't, you know, the, isn't keeping track of all the uh, altcoins he's selling and, and just the, the madness. I mean, you can't, you better believe there are a lot of people that didn't keep uh, meticulous uh, records up in Canada about what they're doing with their cryptocurrency. Now, now, how were these uh, people even sent? How did Canada know that they were cryptocurrency users? That, well, that's a good question. Um, did all cryptocurrency users in Canada get this uh, questionnaire? Uh, I, I don't know. I know Francis said he didn't. He said, he had a tweet that said something like, "I didn't think they declare war this early." We'll see uh, how we'll see how this goes. This is a developing story. I'd love to. To hear with some of our Canadian friends, Francis, Benny, um, and all the guys, uh, Rodolfo. There's many more Canadians up there. What, 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 what they think? What, what's this all mean? And uh, we shall see. But the, clearly, the the Canadian government has taken uh, is quite interested. And you, you should really read the whole Forbes article because there are some prying questions in there. 
like it asks like you to list all of your public addresses. Um, I, I don't I don't know what to say there. Um, I mean, if they really get serious about it, then uh, take your Bitcoin and leave. <laughs> Go to another country. Maybe this is that that first step. We, we shall see. We'll see. Um, moving on. And again, read the story. Uh, I guess finally here, there's a uh, there's a coin desk story. It's about uh, about uh, the former uh, Bitmain people. But the the one thing that I got out of the article was I don't care that some dudes are starting up a startup that came from Bitmain. I don't. This isn't really. I don't care about that. But uh, I only care about the uh, the pending Bitmain IPO. It's still pending. If Bitmain does not graduate to a listing hearing by March 26, which is six months from the initial filing, its IPO application will lapse. So there's a big day for for uh, for Bitmain, March 26. If they don't uh, if they don't uh, graduate to a listing hearing, if they don't actually have a hearing by then, that's that's it. They're not they're not IPOing again. I don't like Bitmain. I don't like. Um, you know, I, I didn't like that Bcash tried to pretend to be Bitcoin, but but if they actually successfully IPO on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, it's good for the crypto space. It is. It is good, but I, I it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But there we got a date there to, to look toward uh, now, and I think that is like a final like delay. I mean, they might get rejected then and then reapply at a later date or something like that, but. For for the uh, for the short term, this could be a, a big moment on March 26, and I th I would assume most people expect them uh, not not to be approved and just not to not not to even get a hearing or whatever. But I mean, I I wish them the best of luck. I wish them the best of luck because it, it is good for the crypto space. It will be positive news if if they are able to uh, to go IPO. All right, that is the end of the show. Remember, this week in Bitcoin is tomorrow. 8.45 in the morning in New York. That's 1.45 in the afternoon in London, 3.45 p.m. here in Israel. Pound that like button. Bang that bell button if you need a reminder when I go live. Remember also now, podcast form on Anchor. Anchor.fm slash Bitcoin Meister. I think that's it. It's linked to below. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Remember, subscribe to this channel, like this video, share this video. All over social media, people. That's just as good as contributing whatever you need to contribute to the whatever you want to contribute to the show. Bang and click on those squares that show my old shows, disruptmeister.com. See you pretty soon tomorrow. Bye.